future. And so with that being said, uh, welcome to worship here on this wonderful Mother's Day. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to be talking about a great, or a woman of great faith, a woman of great faith. Excuse me one second. Let me begin this morning by simply saying that while today's message will be primarily geared towards women and, and more specifically mothers, whether biological step or spiritual moms, this is not just a message for mothers. There are some truths that are applicable to every single one of us. This message is for everyone. So if you are a mom this morning, if you have a mom if you know a mom or you can spell mom, then this message is for you. We all need to remember that to honor our mothers is a biblical principle. That principle is not based on if, you're a mother, if your mother is a believer only or if she was perfect or if she won mother of the year award. It says honor your father and mother. It's a biblical command that was given to us in the book of Exodus. And it's not something that is optional. And at the same time, I'm also sensitive to the fact that Mother's Day can be very difficult for some. Perhaps your relationship with your mother was not great or is not great. Perhaps you are here realizing this and at the same time realizing that maybe it's not all your mother's fault either. Just remember that your relationship with your mom does not have to be 100% positive to be meaningful. Maybe your relationship with your mother has been non-existent. Maybe your mother abandoned you in this life, whether physically or even emotionally while you were growing up. It could be that you long to be a mother. Maybe you never were able to be a biological mother. You know, many women become spiritual mothers as well as adoptive parents or, or step parents. And it could be today that you just feel like a failure as a mother. You wonder how in the world you can fix your past mistakes. Whatever your situation this morning, I want you to please know that we can all learn a great deal about people who have been in similar or even worse situations than ourselves. We can draw strength and courage from people who have left us an example of what it means to find hope and help and healing in Jesus Christ. And such will be our example today. So I want to introduce you to this woman of great faith. If you would look with me at Matthew chapter 15, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 21. And it says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman. Now I want you to please note this in Scripture. She's a Canaanite woman. From the region came out and was crying. This woman came out crying, and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, please help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then the Jesus answered her, 
O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we ask of you to illuminate this portion of Scripture for us on this Mother's Day. Show us the truths that we need to embrace and meditate upon. Give us a different thinking about what it means to have a great faith. Lord, encourage moms in here. Bring hope and and help and healing to them through not just this message, not just the devotional that we have prepared for them, but Lord, through people right here in this congregation. Help us to rally around moms and, and Lord, but above all, help us to lift up your name and glorify you in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now it's amazing to me in the text that Jesus commends this woman for her faith. I mean, it's only the second time in recorded scripture that Jesus commends somebody for having faith or a great faith. And in both instances, the people are not Jewish, they're Gentiles. Do you guys remember? Jesus, in both instances, this woman and then the Philippian jailer. Two two men or two different people who were Gentiles. And in both of these cases, Jesus calls out his own disciples for having little faith, and he commends a woman and a soldier for having great faith. I mean, it's rather interesting to note this morning that the word great here in the text comes from the Greek word megas, which is where we get our English word mega. And as I was studying this out, that one word actually caused me to nearly change the title of my sermon sermon this morning to how to be a mega mama. (laughs) So who was this woman of great faith? Who was this mega mama that we see in scripture? Well, we don't really know her name. All we know is that she's not a Jew. All we know is that she was a Canaanite. And Canaanites, if you remember from the Old Testament, were the original occupants of the promised land. They were to be removed, if you remember, and destroyed by the children of Israel. They had been cursed by God for their wickedness. And so the only reason that this woman is still alive was because the children of Israel were disobedient in the Old Testament. That's it. That's the only reason why she is still alive today. This woman in the eyes of the Jews was completely worthless. In fact, Mark in his gospel says that she was a Syrophoenician woman, which means that she came from the same region and the same place as Jezebel. Do you guys remember her from the Old Testament? Man, the one who led the prophets of Baal with King Ahab. A place in in Syrophoenicia was a place where Baal was worshipped and and where the false god Astarte came from. The false god Astarte was the god of sex and, and war that partnered with Baal. All acts of worship were sexual immorality for this one false god. And this is where the woman came from. And, and to put it plainly, this woman is not the kind of woman that you would probably think of when you hear a woman of great faith. Most of us have this whole different image in our mind. And to make matters even worse, her daughter is demon-possessed. I mean, th- this woman pretty much has everything going against her. 
She's a mega mama with mega problems. So I, I have a question, mom. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like everything was against you? Do you ever feel like everything in this life is not going for where I'm from, who I am, what I look like, who I know, what I've done, what you're up against? Everything is, and moms, do you ever feel like that? Well, she did the one and only thing that you can do when that is your life. She went and found Jesus. She went and found Jesus. And so the first thing I want us to note this morning is life does not always go the way that you planned. Amen? Life does not always go the way that you planned. Your life does not and will not be perfect and problem-free. Amen? It's not going to be problem-free. But that does not mean that you and I cannot be a person of great faith. I don't think for one minute any of us truly grasp all that this woman has against her. For starters, she was a woman. In a man-dominated culture, that was already a setback. I mean, Jesus broke all the cultural and traditional barriers by how he treated women and interacted with them in his ministry. And sadly, if we take even just a brief and momentary look at our culture, today we are living in a time when society is still not treating women the way that God tells us to or the way that Jesus demonstrated. It's still not. Society is still skewing what God says about women and even the importance of motherhood is being skewed in this culture. I mean, one writer one writer says this, that you can judge a civilization by the way that it treats its women. So please hear me this morning. Men, I want you to just look up here. I need your attention for a moment. I want to admonish you as your pastor. You need to treat the women in your life with dignity, with honor, with love, with respect. Whether that is your mother, your girlfriend, your wife, your daughter, your sister. Amen? Because today, church, violence in America ranks as the leading cause for injury in women between the ages of 15 and 54. Violence, which is even saddening and, and more disheartening than just that. There are three times as many animal shelters in America than there are shelters for battered women. Three times as, as many. And due to the mixed nature here in this crowd, I'm going to steer clear of speaking directly to the wicked and destructive nature of pornography and human trafficking and the abuse of women and how there are more homes of ill repute in this county than we have McDonald's. Church, there is an epidemic in our culture that wants to degrade women in every form and facet. And the church has to be a positive and godly voice in the midst of complete and utter darkness. In his book, Under the Influence, Alvin J. Schmidt said this, that the birth of Jesus was the turning point in the history of women. Whatever else the Lord did, he immeasurably exalted womanhood. 
Jesus broke many barriers and molds and customs concerning women in his day. He spoke to women in public. He acknowledged women in public. He allowed women to wash his feet. In fact, the first person that he spoke to after the resurrection was who? A woman. A woman. You know, the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ were two main places in Jesus' ministry where women of faith stood by him and demonstrated their belief in him. I mean, he valued their commitment to his work and their courage to stand with him during the darkest hours of his life here on the earth. In fact, if we were to even study post-resurrection and look at the early church in the Bible, there was a significant percentage of the early church that was not just made up by men, but by women as well. And many of those women played significant roles in the earthly ministry of Christ as well as the early church. But I want to be very clear with us this morning. I want to be really clear about this fact that, culture, that our culture has an agenda too. Our culture has an agenda, and that is to fit every woman inside of its mold. Every single one of you to fit inside of its mold. And yet here we are as believers knowing that we are set free from molds because of Christ's sacrifice. We're set free because he sacrificed his life and then he left us a model for you and I to follow every single day of this life. Church, I just want you to know this one thing, that only in Christ are you free from the condemnation of the culture. Only in Christ. The criticism of society and the judgment of the world is gone away because of Christ. Only in Christ. Christ, do you and I experience freedom from guilt and shame and we're given grace? Church, it was Christ's example that his followers reflected in their relationships with women. As you see the early church come to its prominence in the New Testament, you see how his followers raised the dignity of women. They raised the freedom of women. They raised the right to a level previously unknown by that culture. And so we read these seven verses and you're like, Pastor, are you sure this is the right passage of scripture that you wanted to look at on Mother's Day? You're talking about a woman who came from a place of ill repute. You're talking about a woman who Jesus just called a dog. Are you sure this is the one that you want to talk about on Mother? Yes, yes. Why? Why do I want to look at this portion of Scripture? Because when we see the initial reaction and response of Jesus and his disciple to this woman, we would be forgiven to think otherwise about Jesus. Jesus said all of the things that he needed to say, how he needed to say them, and when he needed to say them. Everywhere in Jesus' ministry, we see this. I mean, here this woman is and all of her issues, right? Following Jesus and his men around, and she's wailing. She's wailing. And the disciples are trying to get some rest. 
And they're like, man, Jesus, can't you just do something with her? Just send her away. And Jesus then goes, well, basically, I'm going to refer to you as a dog. And you're reading this passage of Scripture, and you're like, what? What is even going on here? None of this is at all what she planned. Anybody else ever ever feel like that happens? Like you go to somebody for help, and then the help that they give you is not at all what you were thinking? Anybody, like three of you, that's great. And here she is crying for help, and things just went from awful to horrible disaster. I mean, by the way that she addresses Jesus, you can see the agony of a mother's heart. She's like, have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, my daughter is, is possessed. I mean, we all feel for her, don't we? We all feel for this mom who's walking through all of these hard things. Nothing is going as planned. Maybe that's been your life. Maybe that's been your life, mom. Nothing gone as planned. You feel like nobody, not even Jesus sometimes is listening to you. No one understands your pain. Let me, let me just say this. That there are going to be some pains in this life that are very unique to women and especially mothers. Amen? They're just unique. And I think many of you in here can identify with this woman. How many of you in here um, are, are moms? Like I, I physically, I had a child, whether, or you're a step parent, right? You, you've got kids and it doesn't matter if they're adults now or, but okay. Moms, do you guys remember, or maybe you're still walking through this now when your child gets sick or they, yeah, you guys like moms are nodding their heads like, yep, I remember those days. Listen, I've learned one thing, right? Our oldest is going to be 14 this year. I've learned one thing. I mean, I've learned a lot of things, but in that 14 years, in that 14 years, there's one specific thing that always sticks out to me. When our kids are sick, they don't call for dad. They want mommy. They want mommy. Dad, dad doesn't make the chicken noodle soup the same. Dad pours the water wrong, and, but mommy gets it right. Right? Like, dads, you guys, you guys understand what I'm talking? Yes, they want mommy. And maybe you're in here, mom, and your child is not suffering so much from a sickness, but rather from their sinful choices. And if that's you this morning, I want to just address something that I felt like I could not walk away from. If your child is suffering not from sickness, but from their sinful choices, please don't expect them to be Christ-like. Just, just hear me out for a minute. If your son or daughter is not following Christ, they're not going to act like him. And it's hypocrisy if your child does. No matter how your child's behavior proves their unbelief, always be sure to focus more on their heart's sickness rather than the symptoms that come with it. Don't, don't expect your child who's not following Christ to act like Christ. 
But at the same time, parent, aunt, grandparent, welcome your child home. Welcome your child home. Because if, if, if they have any inkling at all to be in your home, don't make it hard for them to do it. Obviously, there are instances where a parent has to give strict boundaries, right? We get it. Don't come to my house if, and then fill in the blank, right? But, but those should be few and far between. Why? Because if your daughter comes to your house and she smells like marijuana or an ashtray, then spray her jacket with Febreze and change the bed sheets when she leaves, but let her come home. But let her come home. If you find out that your daughter is pregnant, then buy her prenatal vitamins. Take her to her 20-week ultrasound. Protect her from Planned Parenthood. And by all means, let her come back into your house. If your son is broke because he spent all of his money on alcohol and women, then forgive him his debt as you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. Don't give him any more money, but let him come home. Let him come home. I mean, if they haven't been around for weeks and weeks and weeks because they've been staying with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you don't approve of, urge them not to go back, but let them come home. And when you do these things, mom, and even dad, when you do these things, point them to Christ. Point them to Christ in the middle of it. Why? Because your rebellious child's real problem is not drugs. It's not sex. It's not cigarettes or, or porn or laziness or crime or even homosexuality. Your child's real problem is that they don't see Jesus clearly. That's what the real problem is. They don't see Jesus clearly. And Jesus, when they come to know him, truly know him, Jesus will begin to replace the money and the praise of man, and the high, or, or the sex that they're staking all of their eternity on right here and right now. And it's only God's grace that can draw them from their perilous pursuits and bind him to himself. And so, mom, whatever it is that you're struggling with today, whatever it is, whatever your burden, whatever your issue, your, your pain, your problem, your past, even your precious children. Take them to Jesus. Take them to Jesus. And in doing so, I want you to remember this, that God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. You know, what I find unique about this portion of Scripture is that Jesus did not immediately respond to this woman's request, and when he did, it was not what anybody was expecting. Nothing at all. I mean, the reality was that Jesus was not going to allow this woman to have some sort of shallow faith when coming to him. And while we don't always understand why God delays or why it seems like God delays in this life, we can rejoice. We can rejoice and that through the waiting, God has a plan and purpose for every pain and every heartache. And then this woman, this woman left everything that she knew to come to Jesus, everything. She cried out to him and the first time in a formal way. I want you to look back with me at verse number 22. He's, 
She says, and behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him and she said, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Did you see the change? The first time she's like, have mercy on me, son of David. And the second time she came and she got down on her knees and she said, Lord, help me. Help me. The the change came and what happened? She came in humility the second time. She humbled herself and she simply asked God for help. Did you see the act of worship displayed in her body? It said that she knelt before him. She knelt down. She got down on her knees before the king of kings and just said, I don't have anywhere to go but you. That's it. And that's a recipe in my eyes from a mother who knows how to get Jesus' attention. A mom who's down on her knees, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. My wife and I have been um, married for almost 15 years this year, and we've been together for about 17 years, close to it. And before we got together, we were inseparable best friends in high school. And she doesn't know that I'm going to say this, so... (laughs) About five years ago, my wife and I began to walk through um, some really, uh, a really horrible season in our marriage, in our life. And to be honest with you, I was at the end and was about to walk away from ministry, no longer pastor, because my marriage was, was going to be completely over. It was just going to be completely done. And it seemed like we could never get on the same page. It didn't matter what it was. There was always an argument. There was always a fight. There was always something going on between us. There was a conflict in our home. And over the course of, of the first year and a half or two years of this, just, just this disaster that was going on in our home, God began to work in not just my life, but also in hers. And then none of the things that I'm saying right now are to speak ill of my wife because I love the fact that God gave me her because I wouldn't be able to do this life without her. I wouldn't be able to do ministry and pastor without her. I would not be able to be a parent without her. But I learned something that I was reminded of as I was reading this portion of scripture. This woman here in the text got down on her knees and she begged of God, please help me. I remember in our darkest days, my wife getting up at 3 a.m. And I feel her get out of bed every morning. And I remember her sitting at the end of our bed on the ground on her knees, begging of God out loud, God, help me. 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 I remember her praying it over and over and over out loud. And I was reminded of this as I was reading this portion of scripture. 
And I can't help but think of how my wife's few simple words, God help me, has radically not changed just her, but changed my life as well. That single prayer meant so much more than those few simple words. But it affected our family. Because, because mom got down on her knees in humility. No more of this like, okay, God, I'm right here. When are you going to come and take care of my issues? No. She got down on her knees and she's like, God, just help. Just help me. I don't know what to do. Just help me. And so mom, mom, dad that's in here, when we worship Christ, when our heart is in a posture where we are on our knees in humility before him, we always get his attention. Always. And it's in her response to Christ that you see the true humility. You see it. The words of Jesus in reply almost seem harsh to this woman who's on her knees before him. And he's saying something that has deep meaning though. When he says that he's not there to feed the dogs, it wasn't to speak ill of her. Though that term was used as a slang term to speak ill of the Gentiles, Jesus wasn't using it in that way. In fact, this woman was so smart that she knew exactly what Jesus was driving at. Jesus had not even started ministry to the Gentiles yet. He was sent to reach and redeem Israel first, and through the nation of Israel were all other nations to be blessed. Sadly, Israel rejected that plan. And so when Jesus talked about the fact that he could not give bread to the dogs, what he was saying is that he had to first feed Israel. Jesus had the world in mind always. Israel was to be that channel, the, the, the channel in which the world was to be fed and, and being equated with a household pet could have easily offended this woman. Man, like a slap in the face of your pride. But she was so past the point of pridefulness. She was so past. She just simply wanted a piece of bread that fell from the master's table. She was over herself. She didn't argue. She didn't fuss with Jesus. She just acknowledged who she was. You're right, Jesus, that is me. I am the dog and I just want the crumb that falls from your table. That's it. And so you're like, Pastor, what do we even learn from that? Something very simple. It's always best to agree with Jesus instead of arguing with him. It is always best. I mean, you see her response? She's like, Lord. I mean, it's amazing. In the midst of her deep distress, you find humility and honesty and a worshipful heart. And so let me ask you this morning, does that describe you? Does it describe you? Because most of us, would have left the presence of Christ at that very point that he said, dog. Right? We would become angry. 
right? Our pride was just stepped on, and we put out, we're, we're put out with God for not doing what we wanted when we wanted him to do it. But this woman's faith should remind us this morning that we should trust in God even when we cannot perceive what he is doing. We should trust in God even when we cannot perceive what he is doing. Jesus was testing this woman's faith. He, I mean, he did it with so many people in the Bible. I want you to think of Abraham for just a moment from the Old Testament. He made Abraham wait well into his senior saint years to have a child. In Romans 4, Paul tells us, why he made Abraham wait. So I want you to look at this verse on the screen. It said that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He's speaking of Abraham, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And guess what it says, church, right there on the screen. And therefore it was imputed to him for what? For righteousness. I mean, God made very well, may make you and I wait and test our faith. And in doing so, he makes us stronger. Whatever you do, whatever it is, don't stop praying, mom. Don't stop praying, dad. Don't stop persisting. Don't stop persevering. Believe in the promises of God. Trust him even when you cannot figure out what he is up to in this life. Take whatever God has to offer you because it will be far better than anything this world has. Far better. I love not only this woman's persistent attitude, but I love her thankful heart. I love her heart. Lord, I will give, I will take whatever it is that you give even if it's the crumbs. Even if it's the crumbs, the leftovers, the stuff that nobody wants that typically gets brushed onto the floor off of our table and then swept up with the dirt. I'll take that. I'll take it. Church, the, the, the king's crumbs are always better than the devil's delights. Always. And only Jesus can truly satisfy your soul. Only he can make a, a situation that seems too far gone. Only he can make it completely right. The woman of great faith knew this in the text. She knew false gods and idols gave her nothing. And so she, with great faith, came to Jesus. And in great faith, she said, Lord, help me. And so let me ask you this question as we begin to close. What's the issue today? Well, what's, what's the problem? What's plaguing you? What's keeping you from coming to Jesus? I mean, have things not gone as planned in this life? Come to Jesus today. I mean, don't let the delay in his answer derail your faith. Get humble. Worship him. Get his attention by, by being honest and by getting on your knees. Trust him today, even though you may not know what he is doing. This woman here in the text left a legacy. She left a legacy. She left an example of what it means to have a great faith. 
And women, not, and I'm not just talking about biological moms, mom, spiritual mom, adoptive mom, stepmom. If you're in here today or you're watching or listening online, I want you to just look at me for a moment. Each and every one of you has a generational and an, inter, an eternal influence in this life. Please, I beg of you as your pastor, don't lose perspective on the impact that you make in the lives of the people around you. Don't lose perspective because your influence is being felt. And although you may question at times, I, 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 I know I've talked to woman after woman here in this church that struggles with this very thing. Don't lose hope. Mom, don't lose hope. Why? Because everything that you're doing is kingdom work. It's kingdom work. Whether you're in a season of bottle washing and diaper changing and running to lessons and practices or preparing for an empty nest or, or living in an empty nest or, or making calls and texts and, and video calls to your grandkids and kids, it's all kingdom work. It all matters to God. Every single piece of it and your influence and impact on the family of God and society is essential. Don't ever lose sight of that. Man, what a testimony that you can leave to other people. What a testimony that you can leave, namely to your children and your church and your community when we place all of our faith in Christ. Not just a little bit, but all of it. And so I pray that you would take hope in the fact today that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, all that we could ever need is taken care of.